Pastor Xavier Ruth and the future hope of heaven on today's Simple Truths. Once Jesus died, the new covenant became effective to carry out all the promises to the heirs. As you know, many homes today are built in gated communities, and these gates have codes. If you don't have the code, you don't get in. Jesus is the code. If you don't have Jesus, you have no access to heaven. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Generation upon generation had to wait for the hope of God, yet those living today only have to receive it with an open heart. And as Pastor Xavier continues his look at the simple truths of the book of Hebrews, he reminds us of the hope that is freely available to all who ask. Let's join him as he begins with our scripture reference for today. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 6 to 23. The message is entitled, The New Covenant is Superior to the Old Covenant. For our study, we'll, we want to focus on the fact that the Old Covenant is fulfilled by the New Covenant, and it's evident by three things. And they're given to us here in verse 6 down to 23. Verse 6 to 10, by the prophetic nature regarding the service of the earthly tabernacle. And then in verse 11 through 14, by the perfect atonement regarding the service in the heavenly tabernacle. And then verses 15 to 23, by the provisional mediator regarding the service in the heavenly tabernacle. Three evidences that cannot be denied and that establish the fulfillment of the old by the new. The Old Testament entirely is speaking about the Messiah, the Jesus Christ. God had a set time in which he would initiate the fulfillment of the first covenant. And so he's told us in chapter 7 of Hebrews, verse 18 through 19, for on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is a bringing in of the better hope through which we draw near to God. It was only temporary. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor. Galatians 3, 24 and 25. So the law pointed us to Christ. It drove us to Christ. And so the old covenant was fulfilled due to the prophetic nature regarding the service of the earthly tabernacle. But notice secondly in verse 11 through 14, the second evidence is the perfect atonement regarding the service in the heavenly tabernacle. The perfect atonement. In verse 11, the new covenant has unlimited access to God. The new covenant has unlimited in contrast to the limited one we just saw. Christ our high priest of good things to come refers to the prophetical fulfillment. The last days. He began that in chapter 1 verse 2. The word but there marks a sharp contrast between the effectiveness of Jesus in contrast to the ineffectiveness of the Old Testament. The unfulfilled to the fulfillment of the new covenant. Look at the word come. It speaks of the future promise of the person of Christ. Which blessing has already been attained. When he's writing to these Hebrew Christians, the benefit had already been attained. The blessing has been attained. It's a done deal. He is sitting at the right hand of God. And so Christ, our high priest, officiates 
in the perfect tabernacle as we've seen in heaven, not the one made with hands of the earthly copy. As chapter 2, or chapter 8, verse 2 through 5 tells us. He's in the heavens. He entered in within the veil for us. For Hebrews 6, 19 and 20 says, We are to come boldly into the throne of grace. For what reason? That we might find, obtain mercy and find help in time of need. Hebrews 4, 16. You and I can come in any time. We have access any time. We don't have to go to a priest and say, Listen, could you offer the sacrifice for me? And then he goes in there and I stand way out there. Hey, how am I doing? Am I okay? Is God, is, am I okay with God? You can go to God. I can go to God. Isaiah 57, 15 says, He is the high and lofty one who dwells in, on high in the holy place who dwells in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. Isaiah 57, 15 is tied with Ephesians because the key phrase in Ephesians is in the heavenlies. This is the fulfillment. We dwell in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. Not of this creation. In other words, this earthly or natural creation. The ultimate fulfillment is Jesus in heaven. In the holy of holies there. And so look at verse 12. The new covenant has also unlimited atonement. Unlimited atonement. Not only access, but unlimited atonement. Not made with the blood of animals, but with Jesus offering his own blood. 1 Peter 1.19, we're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He is the one who died for you. He's the one that died for me. And he did it because he loves me. Notice in the Holy of Holies in heaven, he entered and offered up once and for all. As Hebrews 7.27 has told us already. It was final in contrast to Aaron's repeated sacrifice. It was limited to once a year in contrast to the eternal redemption now. The contrast, this is a chapter of contrast, back and forth. And notice, obtaining eternal redemption for who? Us, as the believer. And the word obtain is not the general word for possessing something, but to seek and find what was sought. And it's an aorist tense participle, which means it's an accomplished fact. Justified before God. It's done. Romans 5, 1 and 2. It's done. He did it. In fact, the word most often is translated in the New Testament, found. It's found. It's done. As you know, the word redemption means to release or to receive ransom. And is use of the release of a slave as the receipt for that ransom. The word lutron the New Testament tells us that we were slaves redeemed from the slave market. We were bought. We didn't redeem ourselves. We've been bought with a price. Jesus paid that price. And so in the Old Testament, only the priest could serve God. Now he's saying all of us can serve God. Because all, we can, all of us can go in and worship him. We don't have to go through a man. Can you imagine if you had to depend upon me to bring you before God? That'd be horrible. What good would it be to go from the Old Testament priest to now to a New Testament priest? There'd be no difference. Now you can go straight to God yourself. And so notice in verse 13 and 14, the New Testament has unlimited cleansing for man's sins. The Day of Atonement and daily sacrifice were temporary. External. There, as the rites of purification, as is spoken there in verse 13, 
were ceremonial for uncleanness through the red heifer and he's talking about this in the Old Testament so if you were ceremonially unclean you went out and a dead body touched you you would have to be sprinkled with this you would be unclean until the evening and once the evening came then you were alright with God you could have fellowship with God and you find this in Leviticus uh, 1 through 6 with the offerings and also verse 16 and also Numbers 19 verse 13 and you find these laws in the Old Testament once you were cleansed then you were okay at the evening but there was a time when you were unclean the day Christ died, he fulfilled and surpassed all shadows and all types. It was done. Look at verse 14. The principle is from the lesser to the greater. How much more shall the blood of Christ, if the blood of animals covered, and the word atonement in the Hebrew is kofar, covered, if the blood of animals covered, how much more shall the blood of Christ atone, make you right with God? He was virgin born without sin. He became the Lamb of God. He offered himself for us. Vicarious. Vicarious means that when he died, he died in my place. When he died and made payment of sin, he paid for my sin. The prophetic fulfillment is stated. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. An inner work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of man by faith in the work of Christ resulting in transformation. The conscience of man being recalibrated now according to the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit can be lived by God's grace. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 Who could boast and say I can live the life of Christ without the spirit <laughs> impossible you can't do it those works of the law were external and temporary as he's told us already in chapter 6 verse 1 the word serve there is the word used for the priestly service in chapter 8 verse 5 right here 9 9 imputing to us the righteousness of Christ and imparting to us the righteousness to live the life of Christ as Romans tells from 5 to 8, by His grace. Notice the phrase, living God. It appears four times in the book of Hebrews. The first time in chapter 3, verse 12, in view of warning. Listen, beware, brethren, they're Christians, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. The second, in view of the work of Christ, right here. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Once he's cleansed me, I can serve him. The third, in chapter 10, verse 31, in view of the wrath of God, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the fourth one, in chapter 12, verse 22, in view of the wealth of the saint, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Four times the phrase living God. Study it well. It's a study in itself. When I used to work for Prana Markets in the early 60s, we had people that we would allow to get things on credit, so they would sign IOUs. And um, when I did the books at night, I would add up all the IOUs and count them as cash. 
and that would balance my books. At the end of the week, when they came and they paid their, their account cash, I would take the IOUs, rip them up, and throw them away, or let them do it. And then I counted the cash, and my, my cash box balanced out again. Well, this is kind of what's happened with Jesus. All the Old Testament sacrifices were IOUs. They really didn't forgive sin in terms of ultimate forgiveness. It just covered him. It was an IOU of the true payment to come, Jesus Christ. And once Christ has died, all the IOUs, all who trusted in the blood of animals, looking forward to the Messiah, they're forgiven also. Why? Because they did it in faith of the one who was going to pay for their sins. It's real simple. The Christian can come to God at any time now, all on his and her own, having unlimited access. In fact, in chapter 3, verse 1, he said, As partakers of heavenly calling, we are to consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Why? Because he can, he's there. We can come. So consider who he is. In chapter 4, verse 4 through 16, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Everybody. Everybody has the same access to God. In fact, the Christian can trust the atoning blood of Christ to be sufficient for all their sins, having unlimited atonement. Listen to him in chapter 7, verse 24 through 25. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood, literally untransferable. It stops and ends with him. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. In chapter 10, verse 12 through 14, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from the time waiting till his enemies be made a footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So you need to understand what he's talking about, that by his death he's forgiven us. And by his death, we have access to the throne of grace. Why? Because we're not perfect. And we'll see this as we move along. He's there making intercession for us. So Christians have continual access to God for ongoing failure of sin, right? Because any of you perfect since you've been born again? Anybody care to give a testimony that you're perfect? <laughs> we can all have a good laugh? None of us. That's why 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin nature... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Next verse, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's why he says in 1 John 2, 1, My little children, I write these things unto you that you do not practice sin. But if you fall, if you stumble, if you eat it big time, you have an advocate for the defense, Jesus Christ the righteous, a lawyer that has never lost a case. That's the Xavier Reese translation. The old covenant was fulfilled due to the perfect atonement regarding the service in the heavenly tabernacle. Notice lastly in verse 15 through 23. It is evident by the provisional mediator regarding the service of the heavenly tabernacle. And this is the key. Because the mediator is a go-between, right? 
Notice verse 15. The new covenant is unlimited in reality and time. Jesus is the mediator in reality of the types of the old covenant. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, of one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. In reality and time. Before there were high priests, now it's only one, Jesus Christ. It's not a figment of our imagination. It's not something that we are just making up. It is a fact that is proclaimed from heaven. It will never change. There was nothing else to wait for. There was no one else that could be identified but Jesus Christ. There is no other go-between. Notice Jesus atones for the sins of the old covenant. Right here in this verse. By his death to ensure the salvation of those who call on him in faith. He says there, the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. So all those Jews who were offering blood sacrifices was in faith of the Lamb of God to come. And when Jesus died, their sins were forgiven. He became the payment for sin. He became the forgiver of sin. He became the reconciler from sin. No one else. Jesus is the promise of eternal inheritance, the way to God for those who trusted the first covenant. He's the only lamb. The lamb of God, John 1.29. He's the only way, John 14.6. He's the only name, Acts 4.12. He's the only bequeather of eternal inheritance, 1 Peter 1, 4 through 5. We're stuck, guys. Is Jesus or nothing? <laughs> Notice verse 16 and 17. The new covenant is unlimited in authority. Verse 16 says the authority of a last will and testament is simple. Listen, death. The word covenant, as you know, appears often, 17 times in this book. The root word really means to place between two. Actually a cutting and a dividing for sacrifices. Remember Genesis chapter 15 verse 10? When Abraham divided the, the sacrifices and then God walked through it. So it speaks of a covenant, a cutting, a contract, if you will. And the people who walked between it were responsible for the covenant. But now we have a second use of this word in a different way. The Septuagint uses it in the covenant way, also in Genesis. But here now, in classical Greek, it's used also for a disposition or a deposit of a last will and testament. This is the meaning of our text here. In other words, you have a last will and testament... And you have bequeathed there to your children or to whoever it is. But there's one key. You have to die before they get it. And people understand this. That's why some people want to kill people who have named them in their will. Because they want to get it before they die. Or they want to help them to die so they can get it more faster. You know what I mean? Death has to take place. You can't claim your children say, well, I want my inheritance. I'm still alive, kid. <laughs> Verse 17, the death of a person makes it effective. The testament has been used as a covenant between two people. Now it's being used as the last will and testament. So the new covenant is the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. All that he promises there is yours and mine. He died, did he not? Chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. He tasted death for every man. He was risen from the dead. And so notice in verse 18 through 23, the old covenant was the model established with death and blood. And therefore the New Testament is the fulfillment. 
In verse 18, Moses used blood before the people and before God. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. The physical and literal witness of the blood was sprinkled on both the book and the people in verse 19. In verse 20, the words held the people accountable to that covenant. This is the blood, the covenant which God has commanded you. And he's talking about the book of the covenant in Exodus 24. When Moses is there sprinkling the blood and saying, you guys are accountable to what God has covenanted with you and you with him. And it was blood. When he went into the Holy of Holies, and here's the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seats right here are covering like this. What did he sprinkle seven times? He sprinkled blood. So that God could be propitiated, appeased. The requirement could be met. And so few things were the exception that were not cleansed with blood, as he says in verse 22. Certain things, if they were contaminated by the death of an animal or something, say it fell on a pot, if that pot was of metal, it would be washed and put through the fire to purify. But if it was of pottery, then that contamination would seek in the pores, so it would say, destroy it. But most things were sanctified and cleansed by blood. There were some exceptions. And so the new covenant equally was based on the death and blood. The perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The commonness and distinctiveness between the two covenants cannot be missed nor denied. Once Jesus died, the new covenant became effective to carry out all the promises to the heirs. As you know, many homes today are built in gated communities. And these gates have codes. If you don't have the code, you don't get in. Jesus is the code. <laughs> if you don't have Jesus, you have no access to heaven or to God. Hebrews 8.1 Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. What did Jesus say in the Great Commission in Matthew 28.18? All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. All means all. All. And we have been told already in chapter 1, verse 2, and many other portions, that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high after he purged our sins by himself to exercise all authority. And so the principle of atonement and forgiveness is based on the death and the blood as a means of a substitute. The person of Jesus Christ. You remember back in Genesis, the principle established. In Genesis 3.21, Adam and Eve blew it. And this is what it says about God. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skins and clothed them. God killed an innocent animal for the blood to cover the sin of Adam and Eve and to clothe their nakedness. There's the principle of blood for the first time. And so here you have the fulfillment of the Old Testament by the New Testament. You want to use the word testament or covenant? Either way by the prophetic nature regarding the service of the earthly tabernacle, it all pointed to Jesus, and by the perfect atonement regarding the service in the heavenly tabernacle, and by the provisional media regarding the service in the heavenly tabernacle. He's there. And so now all can come to God through Jesus Christ. And this is the bottom line 
what the author is telling to these Christian Hebrews. Pastor Xavier Reese, and the only way to eternity with the Father, through the Son, Jesus Christ. Today's message, The New Covenant is Superior to Old, is available on CD for only $4. And by the way, we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So, once again, the title to ask for is The New Covenant is Superior to Old, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Does God's Word change with the times? That's our topic next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com